Today our passage is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirit and truth? and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may not, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Hi everyone. As I'm sure you've noticed, our scripture reading today was from Hebrews 12, and not from the book of Luke, as it has been for the last couple of months. Last Sunday, Brian preached up to the end of Luke chapter 20, and that's where we're going to stop for now. We'll pick it up again in the spring, when we lead up to our Easter services, We'll look at the end of Luke and the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. But today's sermon is a bit of a bridge between Luke and the red letter challenge that we're going to be doing for the next several weeks. We're going to look specifically at the red letters in our Bible, the words of Jesus and the commands that he gave us. And we're going to do daily challenges together to put his words into practice. So I strongly recommend that sometime this week you get into a life group if you're not already in one. You can check the weekly email for details on how to do that or our website or you can certainly email me personally. We have groups on Zoom as well as in person and I would love to help connect you to a group that will really help to keep you accountable as we go through this challenge. The topic that I'm addressing today is how do we endure hardship? The New Testament has a lot to say about this because in the first century, Jesus' followers were experiencing all kinds of different persecution. They were slandered, they were socially ostracized, they were denied employment, and in some cases they were even martyred. 
And all around the world today, there are still Christians who are undergoing those kinds of circumstances. In India, in China, in North Korea, in Afghanistan, and Syria, and Sudan, and all kinds of other places. And so they really need our prayers and our support. Here in Canada, we really don't have that much persecution. But we do have hardships of other kinds. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've experienced different hardships than we've ever had before. If we've not directly experienced sickness and the grief of losing a loved one, then at least we've experienced isolation or job loss, financial instability, anxiety over things that are even mundane chores like grocery shopping, and all kinds of obstacles to our social gatherings, um, our in-church, in-person church services haven't been able to gather in the same way for months now, and it's been heightened stress for everyone in our community. It's become obvious that our society is tired of dealing with the pandemic and tired of obeying the restrictions that have been put in place to protect us. We've all heard of different groups that are just meeting freely in large gatherings. Um, they're tired of wearing masks, tired of not being able to visit friends and family, tired of living in fear of this virus. And so they've just gone back to doing as they used to do. On Twitter, there are jokes about how everyone misses living in the precedented times rather than these unprecedented times that we're faced with now. It'd be a lot easier just to go back to living the way we used to rather than persevering through this. But the book of Hebrews is all about perseverance and endurance in times of hardship. The recipients of the letter were Jewish Christians who were experiencing severe persecution. And they were thinking it would be much easier just to go back to being Jews than to continue as Christ followers. They were ready to just give up. So the author of Hebrews through this entire book is showing them how Christ is so much greater than anything that their previous religion can offer. He's greater than Moses, greater than the priests, and he was the greatest sacrifice of all time for our sins. And he's teaching the people how to be patient and long-suffering and endure through their hardships. Even though our hardships are much, much smaller by comparison, I think that the principles of endurance that the Bible teaches are still relevant today, especially right now, as we're all getting tired of this pandemic and growing weary. We need to have the encouragement to persevere in trusting Christ with what's unknown. So in Hebrews chapter 11 just before the passage that was read for us today, the author lists as inspiration all kinds of great heroes of the faith, and they all persevered through their various hardships. And so now in chapter 12, he gives three important principles of endurance to help us persevere. First of all, he tells us to deliberately focus on Jesus, and secondly, to change our view of hardship, and thirdly, to discipline ourselves. So first, to focus on Jesus. This really comes out in the first three verses of chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So 
So according to the author of Hebrews, the way to run with perseverance is to fix our eyes on Jesus and only on Jesus. Not on the hardships that we're experiencing, but on Jesus, the source of our strength and our Savior in difficult times. Some Christians seem to have gotten confused about this lately, especially in the United States. One of the reasons that I knew I had to preach on this text today is because of the following quote that I heard from Vice President Mike Pence in his speech on August 26th. These are Mr. Pence's exact words. Let's run the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on old glory and all she represents. Let's fix our eyes on this land of heroes and let their courage inspire. And let's fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith and freedom. And never forget that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that means freedom always wins. I hope you can see what he did there. In the midst of the hardship that the U.S. is going through right now, with thousands of people dying every day, he encouraged people to persevere by fixing their eyes on old glory and on this land of heroes. He replaced Jesus with America in a distorted quotation of this verse, which he mashed up with another verse about freedom in 2 Corinthians 3.17, which is completely taken out of context. And this is not okay. This is twisting the meaning of scripture. America is not going to help anyone persevere. The flag and the heroes of American history are not going to help anyone persevere. The only one who can help us is Jesus. There are two places in scripture where it commands us to fix our eyes on something. And one is here in Hebrews, and the other is in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18, where again, it's encouraging Christians who are experiencing hardships. And it says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. America is not unseen. It is not eternal. And it is certainly not Jesus. So politics and government are the wrong place for us to focus. At White Rock Baptist Church, we are committed to fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that's why we're going to do this Red Letter Challenge. So the next seven weeks, we're going to challenge ourselves to think and talk and act the way that Jesus commanded us to. And we hope to do that by focusing deliberately on his words and actions as they're recorded in Scripture. We're going to read them and study them and discuss them and pray together for insight and for the ability to put what we're reading into practice in our daily lives. Hebrews 12 even tells us why we should focus on Jesus, because he knew how to endure hardship. He did it in at least three different ways, if you look at verses 2 and 3 again. By focusing on the joy to come, by scorning the shame of the cross, and by enduring opposition. He didn't think, woe is me, this is so tough, look at all my hardships. Instead, he thought, how awesome a day it will be when the children of God gain eternal life because of my sacrifice. This is going to be worth it. He didn't accept the shame of the crucifixion because he knew it would be transformed into glory and a horrible execution would become for us Good Friday. And he just didn't quit. He just kept on going. He let no one stop him from doing what God had called him to do. And so if we consider what Jesus went through for us, then we will be inspired to endure whatever hardship God allows in our lives. 
And that is a really key idea, that God allows the hardships for a purpose. The next eight verses in this chapter, verses 4 to 11, unpack this idea that God can actually use our hardships for our benefit. And so the second way to endure hardship is actually to change our view of hardship. Verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now it's important to know that the word discipline here does not mean punishment. God is not punishing us with hardships, although he does allow us to suffer the consequences of our own sin or stupidity as needed. But what this chapter is saying is that when we go through hard times, we should think of it as God's fatherly discipline. And this Greek word for discipline means upbringing, training, instruction, or correction. So our hardships will actually train us to be more like Christ if we will allow them to. We can trust that if God has allowed something, then he knows how to use it for our good. He's not like us human parents. We often don't know if we're doing the right thing or not. We just do the best that we can but he knows exactly how to train us to become the kind of people that he wants us to be. In verse 10, it says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. So if we think about the COVID-19 pandemic from the perspective of what it has to teach us, there are a lot of positives that could potentially come out of it. We're being trained to think of other people's health before our own every time we wear a mask out in public. We're starting to think more in terms of community safety and community impact rather than solely in terms of what's best for me. We're realizing we need to depend on each other and help our neighbors. We're learning to slow down and be less busy and to appreciate quiet moments, to cherish visits with our friends and family, and to make each day count because we've realized we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're being forced to reevaluate. Have I been living the kind of life I want to live, or do I need to make some changes? We're being forced to increase our trust in God in the face of anxiety and uncertainty and upheaval. And these are all good things that can come out of the pandemic if we choose to submit ourselves to God. And so rather than complaining or becoming bitter about our sufferings, the author of Hebrews says we're to change our perspective and consider the positive outcomes that our hardships could have. God can use this experience to train us, to help us become more holy, and it says to produce righteousness and peace in our lives. It's not a pleasant process. No one is saying that suffering itself is good. It's painful, but it can produce a good result in our lives. In verse 12 and 13 in this chapter, it's a little harder to interpret these than the others. Up until now, it's a very straightforward read. It's very clear. But then in summing up this section, the writer says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, what does that mean? First of all, I need to point out there are actually two Old Testament references in these verses. Verse 12 is an echo of Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4, which says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. And then a few verses later in Isaiah 35, it actually describes walking on a highway called the way of holiness. 
just as Hebrews here talks, us, talks to us about making a level path for our feet. And then verse 14 is actually a partial quotation of Proverbs 4.26, which says, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. And so apparently, give careful thought to the paths and make level paths are two possible translations of the same Hebrew phrase here. And so one commentator says that the call to make straight paths for the feet is a call to continued progress in their moral transformation, their education in sonship, their participation in the great pilgrimage of faith toward the living God. So progress in moral transformation and education in sonship, that sounds like discipline again, doesn't it? So my understanding of these verses is that we're being told, in light of the positive outcome that God wants our hardships to have, that we should not only submit to God's discipline, but we should actively discipline ourselves and others to obey God. That's why the next verse, verse 14, starts off with, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, because we're now putting in the effort to discipline ourselves. And that is the third way that we endure hardship. We discipline ourselves. The image of making a path suggests repetition, going over the same ground again and again. If we walk home through a field the same way every day, we're eventually going to wear down the grass. And that's what this is saying. Train yourselves to do the right thing, the godly thing in your daily lives, and keep doing it and keep doing it until it becomes a habit. It's a path that you just take automatically. Interestingly enough, this can actually apply to our thoughts as well as to our actions. Scientists have discovered that our brain, our brains tend to follow predictable patterns called neural pathways. And so in an article online, Dr. Hilary Stokes and Dr. Kim Ward write this. If you focus on happiness with your thoughts and feelings, you strengthen happiness pathways. If you focus on stress with your thoughts and feelings, you strengthen stress pathways. Every thought you think and feeling you feel strengthens the circuitry in your brain known as your neural pathways. Just as a grassy path becomes flattened, matted, and worn away every time a hiker walks over it, as you focus on something with your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, you strengthen your brain pathways. And so over the days, months, and years, a well-traveled hiking trail becomes a well-worn pathway. This helps explain why depression and anxiety can be so hard to beat, because over time, we've strengthened those negative pathways in our brain, and we've deliberately, we have to deliberately choose the path less traveled. And it gets harder to choose new paths the older that we get. I find it really amazing how the Bible's advice here fits so well with scientific advice, even though it was written centuries before we knew anything about how the brain worked. So by fixing our eyes and our thoughts and our behaviors on Jesus, and by choosing to view our hardships as actually opportunities to become more like Jesus, then we are strengthening the Jesus pathways in our brains, if there is such a thing. We will think of him more often, we'll remember to pray more often, and we'll create habits in our thoughts and actions that honor him. Now, you might be wondering, how does any of this actually help me endure hardship, though? Isn't enduring hardship difficult enough without also taking on a self-improvement project? Why not work on disciplining myself when things are easy rather than when things are hard? When things are hard, we should just survive, right? That would make more sense. Why not do this red-letter challenge after the pandemic when it's easier? 
But I think God knows that we can't afford to wait before we start this process of self-discipline. In fact, it's even more important during times of suffering and hardship that we be self-controlled. So the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed, it says. So if you have an injury and you keep climbing a rough, steep path, you're likely to trip and hurt yourself even worse and be permanently disabled. But on a nice level path, you have the chance to exercise and strengthen your muscles without that danger. So we're encouraged to make sure that the paths of righteousness that we're creating, both individually and as a whole community, are smoothing the way for those who are weak. If we just forget about self-discipline during hard times, then we're going to be tempted to things like self-pity and anger and bitterness about our circumstances. We're going to give in to our fears and blame others and seek revenge against those who've hurt us. But if we focus on disciplining ourselves during hard times, then we'll actually create an easier path through for ourselves. We'll make a path of hope and of trust in God and of prayer and of a positive attitude. Discipline helps us endure because it gets our bad habits out of the way, and it prevents us from making things worse for ourselves. It goes back to the very first verse of this chapter. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's going to take discipline. I've been reading in the book of Hosea lately, and I came across such a relevant verse on this same topic. Hosea 10, verse 12, says, Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. So if, if Hosea could say that to people who were facing political oppression and upheaval and even exile, then certainly we also need to discipline ourselves and seek the Lord. We can't wait until later. The time is now. So as we endure through some of the hardships of COVID-19, let's do these three things. Let's deliberately focus on Jesus. Let's change our perspective about hardship. And let's discipline ourselves. So please join with us over the next seven weeks as we fix our eyes on Jesus and his commands and as we practice obeying them together. As a whole pastoral team, we're praying that this experience is going to help us deepen our spiritual growth and make us more like Christ. So... Would you pray with me for that, please? Jesus, thank you that you do not ask us to take on hardships alone. You are with us. You are with every single one of your followers, Lord, whether they are like us in relative comfort and safety here in White Rock or whether they live in fear for their lives in some place like Afghanistan. You know each hardship, each secret pain and difficulty and burden that each of us carries. And Lord, you want to help us to get through our hardships in the best way possible. Help us, Lord, not to take all of our focus and energy thinking about the challenge that we face, but rather to put our energy into thinking about you and who you are and your power and your strength and your love and goodness and the joy that you give us in serving you. Lord, help us to change our perspective so that we see that every hardship we go through will not be wasted, that it's an opportunity for you to use to transform us into the likeness of your Son. And Lord, help us, help us as we 
try to discipline ourselves. We are not able to do this very well. We need your motivation. We need encouragement. We need each other to be able to persevere. And so, Lord, I pray that as we commit ourselves over the next few weeks to focusing on your words and doing them, that we would be able to truly encourage each other. As iron sharpens iron, Lord, help us to sharpen one another as friends and as followers of you. Thank you that you will be faithful and that you will do great and mighty things in our lives as we continue to focus on you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.